Starkville is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know sporting events, theater plays, and music concerts tend to have their ticket prices drop right before they start? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Ordering tickets is a cinch. Click on the listing you want and pay, and that's it. Snagging tickets is a breeze with GameTime's two-step checkout system, Oh, and don't forget this. You can tap on GameTime's available listings and see panoramic seat views from inside the app. So you'll have a great sense of the angle you'll be watching the game from. So check it out. So head to the App Store or Play Store now and download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. It's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. Once again, I am joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer Doug Glanville. Doug, we've got a really special edition of Starkville rocking the house today. It's our best of the decade podcast. It's the best of the teens, the best of the 2010s. I don't really even know what the heck we should call this decade. Like, we need something catchy. And so, Doug, you're a wordsmith, you're a professor, you're mm-hmm. a pen grad. I'm going to put this in your hands. You got any ideas for a great name for this decade? Yeah, I was I was working on that. I at first I started thinking about Roman numerals and and trying to play off that. Uh that failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, the Romans <laughs> the, the Romans always had catchy names for the yes, numerals. Yes, it's like, you know, cuz the, the X's, you know, kind of the X's. I thought about that, but um but well, as a parent, cool. you know, I say, you know, I'm I'm dealing with tweens and since it's weird to talk about the teens, because what do you call the 10, 11, and 12? They're, you know, what are they? The tweens, right? right? But then we could combine the two, yeah. teenagers and tweens, and then you have tweenagers. But since it's not ager, it's a person, it's an age, so we'll just go tween age. So the tween ages, that's, I'm good. I'm good with that. The tween ages? Yes, the tween ages. <laughs> that's, that's what you want to call this. That's right. I, boy, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I we're recruiting. We're, we got to recruit the demographic of parents between the ages of 35 and 45. So tween ages, yeah. they'll know what I'm talking about. They will. All right, the tween ages. I, I have to process this. We might try it out once or twice in this podcast to see to see how it goes. I don't think it's going to go that well, to be honest with you. But okay, that, that, that's what that's your best bolt. The tween ages. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Yes, for marketing purposes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm all for marketing. Marketing, good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, whatever we're gonna, what we call this decade, I, I think as America looks back on it, I can actually hear America now. And you know what America's saying, Doug? They're saying there's only one way to remember the tween ages, <laughs> and that is it's it's the first decade that Doug Glanville has not played baseball in the lifetime of Doug Lanville. Is that pretty much the way it's remembered in your house? 
Wow, that's true. Um, other than my Hall of Fame game uh, sort of cameo, where I caught the final oh, out yeah. that Ken Burns hit to center field, so I feel good. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, Dale Murphy, J- uh, Jim Rice. I actually went with a blank jersey, like no name or number on the back, and all game long, whenever I was on base or in between innings, I had people sign my back. So yeah, it was really cool. I had a, <laughs> a, the, the late Dick Williams and stuff. It was crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, it's true though. I, I played. I mean, I my brother taught me baseball and. My dad was from Trinidad, so he played cricket and gravitated towards baseball when he came to the U.S. when he was, it was 1956. So my brother came along in early 60s and, you know, loved baseball and taught me. So, you know, right out of the gate, it was, you know, it was just part of my life. So I was a huge fan at a young age, played Stratomatic, 70s, 80s, loved the 80s. As, you know, I was a big Phillies fan. And it was only based on they had these cool powder blue uniforms. And that was that was the basis of my fandom. I just liked their unis, <laughs> Dave Cash and those guys. Oh my god! So yeah, and then you know, slowly, of course, they they became really good. And 1980, just turning 10, Phillies win the World Series. So of course, the 80s were magical. And I, I got drafted in the 90s. I hung around till the mid 2000s, and I worked in media. You know, shortly thereafter. So this is the first full decade where I didn't strap on a uniform and and play you know baseball really at all so it is a little shocking but I am, <laughs> I'm 49 turning 50 in August so uh, time flies when you're having fun yeah well if it if it makes you feel better I, I feel like you've adjusted nicely to being not a baseball player like just just the fact that it takes me like a minute and a half to recap all, all your titles and your jobs and stuff at the beginning of this podcast tells me you're doing well. But uh, you know what, Doug? Frankly, enough about you. <laughs> Let's move on from the decade of you <laughs> or not you, Fair enough. whatever Fair, it was. Not yeah. me, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because I, I wrote a column, uh, you can find it on our site, The Athletic, uh, about the best players of the teens or the tween ages or whatever we're calling this. And and so in this week's edition of Starkville, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cook, kick around some of my choices. We're going to look at the decade. Uh, we're going to also look at some juicy stuff you won't be hearing about anywhere else. And you know what, Doug? I love that kind of talk. But before we get rolling, got to explain how this podcast works because there are still people who are new to Starkville. Now that they can find us at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, at TuneIn, everywhere podcasts are sold. So here is how this works. We divide the podcast up into innings, even in the offseason. We start every inning with trivia. And you can find the first four innings everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those household name podcast platforms. But big news We have bonus innings of this podcast available on the Athletic app and the Athletic website, and especially this week. You'll want to keep listening after we get through our four innings on the other podcast platforms. So if you want to keep listening, you can do that. You can also get a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic. You just have to click on the link where you found us in the first place, because if you're a subscriber... You can listen to innings five, six, and seven, and also the really important stuff about our stupid baseball bet 
We're going to unveil the off-season edition this week. Everybody got that? Excellent. Now let's play our game. Doug, here's your first inning question. Always need a reason to talk about Mike Trout. So how about this? Uh, I'm guessing you heard he just won his third MVP award. But did you know, Doug Lanville, he is not the youngest player to win three MVP awards. Doug, can you name the only player younger than Mike Trout to win three MVPs? Wow, that person exists? Someone won three MVPs before 28. That's what we're saying. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't have seven top two finishes, but he did win three times. Oh, wow. Uh, Now, is this recent history? Are we kind of way... Doesn't sound recent. Eh, it's not that recent. Okay, not that recent. All right, because I yeah. Um, but that's all you know. Like I like not that recent. I don't know how we're defining. Yeah, that. that's true. So that could you could take that a couple. Okay. Of I mean, well, I, I'm going to throw out. Let me throw out like Stan Musial. What a guy! Stan Musial is correct. <laughs> Stan. All right. Stan Musial won his third MVP by age 27, and. Here's my question. How the hell did you know that? <laughs> well, I I thought about A-Rod, and I, I think it was, like, too late. I, you know, it just seemed like – because I was in Texas with him. I thought about yeah. Albert Pujols, um, which I kind of almost guessed. <laughs> but, yeah, close. Yeah, um, but I think he was, like, rookie of the year. He didn't win MVP his first year, right? So, I don't know. I thought, you know, it seemed he like he was not. too old. And that was so. I said, "Who was up at like nineteen or whatever?" So, when did when did Musial debut though? His first year. Do we know that? Let's see. Uh, he was. I don't have it up in front of me, but uh, he he got to the big leagues young, and yeah, he's great. Like I wrote an overrated, underrated book, and Stan Musial is one of the most underrated players ever. And this is one more reminder of that. Wow. Um, Amazing. His decade happened a long time ago. It's time, Doug, to vote for the best player of this decade. So I'm thinking maybe Unieski Betancourt. What about you? <laughs> um, I, well, one person I have to give a lot of love to is Tony Campana because I try to throw the first pitch out at Wrigley Field and he was the catcher. And he and this guy has hops and he jumped like a frog as high as he could and the ball still was 30 feet over his head. I've screen. seen that video. So uh, thank you, Tony, for that and uh, for that. Yeah, it was it was, yeah, it was right. beautiful. So uh, no, it's I, yeah, yeah okay, it's that's not my guy. Tony Campagna. It's not Unieski Betancourt. The answer obviously is Mike Trout, Player of the Decade. I'm going to give you some Mike Trout tidbits now. Doug scored more runs than any player in the decade, and he basically gave everybody else a two-year head start. <laughs> He let everybody in slugging and OPS and weighted runs created plus, like all those things, you know. Uh, Here's my favorite thing that I looked up about this, though. 72 and a half wins above replacement in this decade. Again, he gave everybody else a two-year head start. And he still had 18.3 more wins that he was worth than any other position player in baseball. And if you're thinking, that's all, that's got to be a lot. Nobody, you're thinking nobody's ever done that. You're thinking correctly. Nobody's ever done that. 
<laughs> the most, the biggest gap between one player over any other player in any other decade, position player, was the old one was 16.3, and it was Hannes Wagner over 100 <laughs> years ago, 1900 to 1909. So those are the numbers, and they're pretty insane, Doug. Uh, that's my Mike, Mike Trout case. So I'm just wondering, like, if you were going to describe what you think separates Trout from everybody else, how would you do that? Wow. I mean, well, the one, one thing I think about is this, it's, you could take Mike Trout for granted and because despite the fact that he is that dominant, when you're, the tendency is to think like, okay, it's just divine intervention. You're just better and that's it. And you're just generational. That's true. But he has to have an approach, a strategy, a work ethic, all the things that allow him to stay at that really like, I don't even know what you call it. It's more than major league. It's like double major league level. I mean, uh, as <laughs> yeah. as proven. And so one example I think of is I remember doing a couple Angels games uh, mid, you know, mid-decade and we were, we were talking about at the time how Trout had kind of a weakness. And that was if he threw the ball up in the zone, up and away, when he put the ball in play, he had horrific numbers. I think at the time it was like yeah. one for you know 50. or It was a horrible – he really right. had struggled. And, and he chased the ball a little bit, struck out up in the zone. And we were like, okay, well, fine. He's human. He's still putting up dominant numbers. And then in a couple of years, the hole just closed and closed. And close. I don't know what his numbers are last year or the year, but it's so hard to imagine. No matter how good you are, you have usually some hole, some weakness, let alone the ability to close it. When scouting is so dominant, pitchers know how to go to spots. They go up in the zone if they need to, and it hasn't changed. So you think of someone like a Verlander that how quickly generations of players change and approaches and strategies change in the game. I would say every three to five years, you have almost a new generation. The stolen base, the instant replay, whatever it is, it changes the game. And when you have a guy that can continue to dominate, regardless of everything that's happening around, he is something special. And uh, I always think of the example of, you know, the person you are can be described on how you, if you're in boiling water, uh, how you respond, not as a human, of course. But if, you know, you could be the carrots where you go into boiling water and you turn mushy, right? You could be the hard, yeah. the egg that you put in hard in water and you become hard-boiled and rubbery. Or you could be a coffee and completely change the complexion of the game. And Mike Chard is coffee <laughs> at Starbucks with a double latte, skinny, uh, decaf, coconut, you know, a, a dragon fruit mixture. He's everything. So uh, that's my analogy for the day. But uh, that's <laughs> the guy is just tra transformational. I mean, he really is like alien. You know, I have to admit, it's the first time I've ever heard Mike Trout compared to a Starbucks drink. But it, it, somehow you made it work. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is the prof professorial pen grad eloquence of Doug Glanville. Okay. Next time, so next time you're in Starbucks, try ordering the Mike Trout. See what happens. Hopefully they will not See throw you out. out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and on that note, time for our second inning question, Doug. Here's what you need to know. There are five active pitchers who have had multiple seasons in this decade. By multiple, we mean at least two, okay, 
with they had where they had 250 strikeouts or more and a sub three ERA. So let's recap: five active pitchers, multiple seasons, 250 strikeouts, and an ERA in the twos or lower. So two of them are Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, obviously. But can you name the other three? It's a good one. Whew. This is a good All right, one. let's try. Let's try Clayton Kershaw. Uh, that's, um, okay, that's wrong. But go ahead, keep going. Okay, let's let's back up. <laughs> All right, not Clayton Kershaw. Uh, well, Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom. Yeah, that's got to be on that's, there. That's definitely one. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Sale. Chris Sale's a great guess. I was shocked that Chris Sale was not the answer, but he only did it once. Kershaw only did it okay. once. Wow, uh, Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke did it zero times. Zero times. Uh, zero man. times. Yeah. CC Sabathia? So oh, he's active. Okay. CC yeah. did it one time. Oh, I, I don't know. I got to stop. I don't know. I mean. All right. Well, okay. Uh, one guy is a multi time Cy Young award winner. Felix did it no times. Um, mm. One guy we've talked about extensively on this podcast since the World Series ended. Uh, the other guy. Uh, Cole? Garrett Cole. Gary Cole. Yep. In the last two years. Okay. And the other guy is a two-time Cy Young Award winner named Corey Kluber, who we've seen oh, like we one. have Under forgotten about. Yeah. So yeah, we have kind of forgot. That. Fun question. Uh, so, all right, we got the Mike Trout player of the decade stuff out of the way. So obviously, based on that trivia question, you know, we're about to talk best pitcher of the decade. And this is fun. Uh, a lot of candidates, Max Scherzer, three Cy Youngs in the teens or the tens or the tweenagers or whatever they are. Uh, Ver- Verlander, DeGrom, Kluber, two Cy Youngs apiece. Chris Sale, Zach Greinke, pretty awesome. Strasburg, Lester, Garrett Cole, Cole Hamels, David Price, Madison Bumgarner. I think they're all in this argument, but guess what, Doug? They're not the answer. The answer is Clayton Kershaw. My God, he won three Cy Youngs. He easily could have won six. <laughs> and here, like, here's some of the stuff I dug up on this guy. Do you know that he had an ERA in the ones, an ERA under two, for 197 consecutive regular season starts? Started in 2011, ran into 2018. 197 starts with an ERA in the ones. Uh, his ERA plus in the decade was 164. Uh, the last starter in any decade who had one that great was Walter Johnson. And that wasn't even a full decade because earned runs weren't even invented till 1913. So 1913 to 1919, he had a 177. But it's the greatest ERA plus for any decade since Walter freaking Johnson. <laughs> and uh, and here's the other thing. If we use like 1,500 innings as the cutoff, Clayton Kershaw's ERA was 72 points lower than the next best pitcher in this decade. How about that? So, Doug, what's the argument that it's not him? I can only think of one. What about October, right? His postseason record. He's got a 4-4-3 postseason ERA and a 158 and a third innings. But it feels to me that's kind of a separate category. I'm, I'm curious what you think. Is Clayton Kershaw the answer? 
I mean, he has to be the answer. I mean, I, I think we, you know, we always come back to sort of the, the wins above replacement discussion, but I know it's not a perfect statistic or a perfect metric, but what it does give you a sense of where you were relative to your peers for your time period. And that that's an important discussion because, you know, you're, you're only there when you're there. You know, time is only of what you're you're granted. So fine, you you're, you uh, you're only there when you're there. How deep is that? <laughs> right. so, so you can't control the clock, but you can control yes what you do with the time you are uh, at at this peak of your career. And and he has just separated himself in in grand faction. That ERA number that you state really to me is a big one, you know, that you're almost giving up a run less than anyone else. And, but yes, the postseason is always an interesting discussion. And, and he, you know, he hasn't been horrible. We've had, you know, we remember Willie Wilson in 1980 or Dave Winfield. I mean, there's been some really bad playoffs. Uh, maybe if you pick one, you know, one year, guys have had bad years, but, you know, he's had some good outings. He's had a lot of good outings in the postseason, you know, just, Things didn't line up, maybe whatever reason. And I know that I only had one postseason, you know, appearance. And you sometimes that's just the cards you're dealt. So I, I just don't think there's anyone else that can compete with Kershaw, despite all those great candidates. Yeah, uh, it, I always believe in large samples versus small samples. I have to admit that it, it, in Clayton's case, I've always defended him. It's getting to be kind of a large sample. 158 of third innings is a large sample. That's a lot of innings. And it's hard to believe he's pitching 32 postseason games and Dodgers are 15 and 17 in those games. But I still feel like it's a separate category. And the regular season dominance is so incredible. Doug, here's your third inning question. Uh, in game two of the 2017 World Series, I'm sure you remember that one, one of the craziest games ever, the Astros and Dodgers combined to hit five home runs just in extra innings. Now, there's only been one other extra inning World Series game in history that featured more than one extra inning home run. It was also played wow. in this very decade. Can you name that <sighs> game? It's pretty classic. Well, did we? We didn't. I think like we've mentioned this guy a lot. So I always think of David Freeze because that was so crazy. Um, so yeah. I'm going to throw that out there. David Freeze. Well, maybe not David Freeze, but the Cardinals. I'll say something to do with the Cardinals. No, it was Dave. Well, it, you, you've got this correct. It was game six, 2011. Josh Hamilton homers in the 10th inning. The, one of the most forgotten extra inning homers in World Series history. And because Lance Berkman ties the game at the bottom of the 10th. And then David Freeze hits the walk-off in the 11th inning. And, I mean, just think about those two games, Doug. Uh, in that game in 2017, the Dodgers scored 12 runs in a game that, in a game that Clayton Kershaw started and they lost. It still, like, blows my mind. But as fun as that game was... It doesn't get my vote for best game of the decade, and we have a million choices. But my personal favorite is that game we just mentioned, the David Freeze game. Best game I ever could bar none of that game. Uh, you, you, you can read all about it in my wild book. You're really desperate <laughs> to learn more about it. But first series game ever 
in which a team got down to its final strike twice and still won. They, the Cardinals once in the ninth inning, once in the tenth inning. It was the first World Series game in which the team five different times. And we went home for the winner if they'd lost. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet, Doug, you never played in a game that where your team trailed five different times and won. I know the Cardinals had never played a regular season game like that in their history, but then did that in the World Series with their season on the line. Unbelievable. Uh, first World Series game ever in which a team trailed in the ninth inning and extra innings and still won. First time in postseason history a team scored in the eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh innings of the same game, and they would have lost the World Series if they hadn't. So I, I still get chills thinking about that game. I I still see the David Freeze walk off in my head. I see it. I, I can see it floating in the night as my brain is trying to process what I was watching. It was so cool to be there, but. I'm going to admit, there was so many classic games in the decade. Here's the kind of guy I am, Doug. I'm going to let you try to convince me that game was not the best <laughs> game of the teens or the 10s or the 2010s or the tween ages. Go ahead. Try to find a better game. I dare you. Whew. Wow. Well, I mean, the only way you can really beat that from the storytelling standpoint is when you're changing history. And the Chicago Cubs in 2016 did just that uh, against a team that was fighting a similar level of futility in the Cleveland Indians. Um, and so although you didn't have the punchback and the sort of Ali Frazier, Tyson biting Holyfield's ear off type of battle, uh, you have, you know, you just have the fact that this is the moment of game seven. One of these teams is going to change history and the other is going to keep it going. And it's not a history that either team wanted to continue. So it also still had the drama. It had the rain delay. It had the, you know, Chapman coming in, giving up the home end to Rajay Davis. And when all of a sudden they have a meeting and Jason Hayward's up in there screaming, who had a really tough year, and the magic then happened. I mean, my daughter, you know, this is, of course, personal. My daughter was up with me. She was probably, what was she, six, maybe seven. And generations of people, sort of like the Red Sox when they won, had never never seen their team win. Never saw their team win. They had generation grandparents, parents, <laughs> kids. I mean, it was just like people were in tears. Like, it, it literally was time in a time. Uh, it was a time stamp, and it was absolutely a, a, a time capsule of baseball and why and what it means to be fans. So yes, I, I would concede that you didn't have the gameplay that lived up to what the Cardinals, but you had that history that really sums up what baseball is about. You know, I, I, I'm not going to give in, but that, that, that is one of those games that I was also at. And it, I get goosebumps thinking about it as you just described it, just all the, the wild stuff that happened. The Rajay Davis Homer. What a moment. Oh my God. The 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 rain delay that changed the world. Like that's I, this was not a movie. This was real life. Uh what what a game. What 
an amazing game. I I do think that was the greatest game sever, seven ever. I don't agree it was the greatest just pure baseball game. But it has boy, it has that historical plot line. That that's a really good one. We should we should put up a Twitter poll, let people yeah. decide that one, because that's really fun. We'll have to remember to do that. Uh all right, uh, Doug, it's time for this week's listener question. Our favorite question, because it allows our favorite listeners to be part of our podcast and achieve that much coveted 15 seconds of fame. And uh, we'll tell you how you can be part of this podcast in a minute. But, you know, the whole idea is you submit a question. Then Cam, the newly elected evil mayor of Starkville, says, Hey, that's a question that'll definitely make Doug and Jason look like idiots. Let's throw that one on our podcast. Then we'll get it wrong. We'll we'll use it to kick around something else uh, that stems from that question. A fun time will be had by hogs, except us. (laughs) All right. So, right? Right, you know it's true. So <laughs> this this has been tough. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do real well with these listener questions. So you can be part of it. I'll tell you how in a minute. But this week's question comes from our friend and loyal listener, Diane Firstman. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Dianagram. And uh, Diane, I should mention, has written a fun book that I am really excited about coming out in the spring called The Hall of Name, about the greatest names in baseball history. Some just incredibly Love it. entertaining to that. stuff That's in great. there. Yeah, I'm writing a foreword for that book. <laughs> All right. Uh, really going to be fun. But anyway, enough about her fun. Now our fun. All Here right. is her question. She wants to know if we know who had the most hits in this decade from 2010 to 2019. And Doug... I have an admission to make because I wrote a column on the best of this decade. <laughs> I've already looked this up. So I oh. know the answer. Oh, Therefore, I I'm going to let you take a <laughs> shot at it. Come on. You can oh. do this. I mean, obviously, Think it's not it. Mike Trout because that's that's too simple, right? Um, it's too simple. Yeah. And he, remember, he gave everybody else a two-season head start. Yeah, I gave him a head Oh my goodness! So, sometimes, like who, who played that whole <laughs> amount of time? No, you've, you've heard of this I, guy. I don't think I have a chance on this one. <laughs> I have to go like team by team. You, I don't think we have enough time on the clock. Uh, all right, so uh, you just you just you just surrendering. You're waving the white I trivia mean, flag. You know, I, I'd like to send you a white trivia flag. We we should yeah, each have it because we need can one. We do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get mayor. We'll get the evil mayor uh, yes, on here. Yes. But uh, if I remember this right. Cam, uh, how about I'm sure Miguel Cabrera? Robinson how about Cano, Miguel? Right? Oh, yeah, Cano's he was really close. Right. But I, 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 I guess I'm almost sure it was uh, Robinson Cano, right? Yes, Robinson Cano. And in total, Good Doug, do you think you can guess how many hits he's accumulated in this time span? <laughs> can you do you think it'd be within wow. maybe a hundred? Um, all right, he, he missed a lot of time <laughs> last year, wasn't it? <laughs> so, um, two years ago, yeah. So, I'll go, I'll go 1800. That's a little high, but I mean, that's generous. But I think Mr. Cano would appreciate it 1,695 hits. All right, pretty close. All right, 
Yeah, so it's 170 hits a year. It's pretty good considering he got suspended for half the yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we bring this up, Doug, because uh, I, I think we could, you know, we always try to find something in these trivia questions to talk about. And here would be the topic I would propose Best player of this decade, not named Mike. Yeah. Uh, which is the only fair way to do this, right? Like the, we have the superhuman. Let's talk about the best humans. Uh, this would be the ballot I would throw out there. Uh, Robinson Cano should be on it. Uh, Joey Votto, Miggy, yep. Yep. Adrian Beltre, or if you want to write in somebody like Paul Goldschmidt, Buster Posey, uh, Jose Batista, I don't know, whoever you want. Uh, you could do that. Um, you want to go first or you want me to tell you who I've got? Oh, I don't know if I have a clue on that. I mean, they're, they're so – yeah, there's some great players. Uh, yeah, I have to get real granular. Votto. I, mean, I, I think it would amazing. have been Miggy. I think it would have been Miggy if the decade had ended a little sooner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. but I, yeah, but however – the last couple of years also count. So I, I, I think it's Joey Votto um, on base machine, re- refuses to hit a pop-up, right. a real good right. defender, face of his franchise. Right, here's a couple things on Joey Votto. Uh, only two players in the whole sport had one of those 300, 400, 500 slash lines in the decade. One was Trout. The other was Votto. Uh, another thing – I mentioned Joey Votto is an on-base machine. He reached base nearly 300 more times than anyone else. That's crazy, right? And just walks alone. Joey Votto walked over a 1,000 times in the decade. There's only one player in the whole sport within 200 of them, (laughs) right? You want to guess who that is? Wow. No, you can't even do it. Carlos Santana is... Second, yeah. he's over a hundred behind. There's only four players within 400 walks of Joey Votto in this decade. I, I just feel like he's been way too underappreciated. So, you can agree with me. You can take Miggy. You can take Beltre, or we can move on. Yeah, or you can take Cano if you want. I mean, Cano. I mean, no, I, I don't have a definitive argument. I'm just, you know, thinking, just storytelling and. I mean, Cano is a guy that, you know, the 200 hits. And I mean, I, I was in spring training. My last spring training was 05 with the Yankees, and Cano was just coming. And I watched right. this guy. It was like kind of small, lanky guy. And I thought it was like kind of like a Ray Lankford style. Remember Ray Lankford? He had that kind of low ball yeah. power. And I was like, who is this, a second baseman? You know? And then I watched him. I was like, he could play short. If, if Jeter wasn't around, he was the shortstop. I mean, he had a great arm. And uh, right out of the gate, he just left an impression. So I, you know, I remember with the being on the you know batting cage with Reggie Jackson, just watching this guy. I was like, wow, this kid is is something. So there's no doubt that you know he stood out for those reasons. And I I was on the Paul Goldschmidt bandwagon from jump because of what I you know saw he did in AAA, and so certainly some great players. I mean, Miguel, I played against him. That's how old he is. <laughs> I played against him, or how young he came up. Uh, yeah, he came um, up at twenty. 03 and all that. So uh, what an amazing talent. And, you know, he's like, he has a tennis racket in his hand, basically. So, uh, yeah, no, so I don't ball. have a definitive argument, but I just thought I'd 
wax poetically on those guys <laughs> for a minute. All right. I mean, I, like we don't we don't need to get into whether a guy who got suspended for PEDs in the middle of a decade could be the player of the decade because yeah, we didn't pick would, him. That's okay? a whole other story. We're not going to waste. <laughs> yeah, not going to waste valuable time on that. Uh, we didn't waste any valuable time on Diane's question, uh, and you know what? Next time around, this question could come from you, our listeners. All you need to do is submit a trivia question. You can do it via Twitter. You can do it via email. Um, if you want to email it, you would send it to Starkville with an E at theathletic.com. Or you can send it via Twitter. You can tweet it at me. I'm at Jason ST, Jason with a Y ST. Doug, how could they tweet at you? Just my name, at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. There you go. Just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS, Starkville with an E on the end. Uh, and that's it for Starkville. For some of you, if you're an athletic subscriber, you get to keep listening over the athletic app or the athletic website. But if you would like to be an athletic subscriber, and I'm sure you would, go find the link that you clicked on to find us here, and it'll get you 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. You will not regret it. So for those of you who are leaving us, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.